Hi, everyone, and welcome to Noise Violation Podcast. Today, we got a great guest today, Dr. James Kraut. He is a psychologist who specializes in relationships, depression, anxiety, self-esteem, and so much more, James. And I appreciate you taking the time and being with us here today. Very happy to be here. I, I appreciate it. And so I know you wanted to talk about it. So let's just kick it off right now with where we're at in this world, um, the psychology of this recession going on with the coronavirus. I mean, everyone's starting to bunker down, self-isolate. Um, there's a virus going on in the world and people are actually fearful for their lives and um, afraid to interact with other people. And so what, what do you see going on right now? Okay. Um, well, there's a lot of what I see going on. One thing that I see going on that I think has made it much more complicated and really dictated what the terms of our response to this thing is, is the, is the really significant lack of testing so that there are people going around and we don't know whether they're sick or not. And, you know, we can touch them or we can breathe. And, and, and so what that has necessitated is this social isolation. And social isolation, I'm thinking about social isolation, isolation because everybody has a thing about it, you know, either, either, you know, you read, I don't know if you read about that thing where these guys were in a bar and just completely just went the other way, um, you know, just, um, but I think that, that the anxiety behind staying in your home goes back to when we were little kids and we mm -hmm. did something wrong and we were told to stay in our rooms. Can you remove, what about just anxiety in general, as we're opening up this onion about the human experience, what, what causes that anxiety or what is an anxiety in a person? What causes anxiety, like in, in, a, in a, uh, an overall way? I would say anxiety comes from the brain perceiving something coming in the future that, that the brain feels in some way unequipped to, to handle. What happens is that there's a part of the brain called the amygdala that gets, that's the fight or flight part of the brain that gets triggered and you get um, neurotransmitters that um, tell you that you're in trouble and your heart starts to pound a little bit and your breath starts to go up and you, and you get scared. And I think people are scared of this thing now because I mean, what's gonna happen? Nobody knows. You know, are, are people going to get very sick? Yes, they are. Are people going to die? Yes. Is it going to be you or me? We don't know. You know, there's just so much unknown and so much depth of potential problem that everyone's amygdala is going, oh, you know, what are we going to do? Right. I'm 32 years old, so I've never seen a response like this to, to anything where, you know, sporting events are being canceled, schools are being canceled anything over 50 people, uh, you can't even go to church. Uh, churches are canceled. Is this a long-term? How's this gonna affect us in the long-term or is this a short-term situation? Well, those are two questions. Um, one question is how long is it gonna take? 
I don't know. <laughs> as short as possible. I will tell you that today I'm moving my entire practice from my office to a virtual practice. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not very happy about that idea. You know, you can much more face to face with somebody than you can, like in this case. I mean, this is wonderful, but it would be even better if you and I were sitting in the same, same studio together, right? And right. also, there are some people that just really don't have a very good feeling about it. Mm-hmm. furthermore i have to stare at a screen now for an entire week just you know with no break but so i'm hoping that it doesn't take very long but the the, the, the determination will be you know how much we know about the people that we're around you know will the will the testing get us to the point where we can isolate those who have been exposed from those that have not that creates a different situation but we're not near that now i don't think are we I, I think it's we're just starting out. It seems like this is the, the beginning of it for us in America where everyone's lifestyle is changing. So people are working from home. Kids are staying home from school. Nobody's going on vacations. Uh, cruises are shutting down. So everyone's everyone's being forced to live in this isolated lifestyle. And they're not used to, and they may be panicking. So, how do how do people stay calm and stay happy in this isolated, forced isolation, quarantine life? Well, one thing that um, I've been trying to teach over the last couple of years is meditation. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of meditation is going from trying to hold on to things that feel good and trying to push away things that feel bad to trying to stay in the present moment and just accept whatever it is that's happening right now. And so, yes, we may have come into times that are going to be more challenging than the ones that we were in before, but that, that just means we have to really ground ourselves and be present and, 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 and respond slowly you know, be self-protective and self-loving and open our hearts up because, you know, just because you're going to be by yourself physically doesn't mean you have to close yourself off from everybody that you know. It's an excellent time to really, you know, just benefit from the the, the feeling of being alone and just open the heart to the world. And uh, I, I think there are some wonderful things. It's kind of an odd word to use, but uh, some wonderful things about this pandemic, which is that you know, after having gone through this period of time where we've been in this intense divide, we've got every human being fighting the same enemy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a strange feeling because it, it brings people together in a way. You know, there, there's nobody saying, you know, this one is scamming this one. And, and, and there's a real uniting potential there to everybody, you know, dealing with the same sets of circumstances. Yeah. I'm hopeful with that. Yeah, so you talked a little bit about improving your self-love and opening up your heart. Can you give an actual practice or example about how someone's going to do that? Yes, I could do that. You want me to you want me to do it on you so that they can watch me doing it? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So so then sit up straight, close your eyes. Try to relax everything. Try to relax everything in the body. 
taking a deep breath through the nose. Hold it for a second, breathe it out through the nose. Breathe again, slow and deep through the nose, telling yourself that you're breathing in relaxation. And as you're breathing it out through the nose, tell yourself that you're getting rid of stress. Do that three more times. What you're doing is you're changing the neurotransmitters in your brain, you're changing from the more stressful ones to the more calm ones, because when we slow our breath down, we send a message to the central nervous system that it's time to just chill. So now you're getting your, 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 your blood slowing down and your heart slowing down and your breath slowing down. And I want you to just focus on your breath. And I want you to realize everything in this present moment. And when thoughts from the past start to come in, and bother you, just notice them. Don't buy into them, just recognize them as little little hooks in the water that you see as a fish and you're not gonna bite them. And then you see things coming from the future, things that you may be afraid of. You're not gonna bite on those either. You're just going to feel the breath, feel what's in the body. If there's anything tense or uncomfortable in the body, try to breathe gentle relaxation into it and just try to stay right here because right here nothing's happening except your breathing and remember that you can always take yourself to this place take a few more breaths and then just slowly open your eyes Wow, much better. So that's just a little brief meditation on how to ground yourself a little bit more. Uh-huh. And what what do you feel differently? I feel it's almost like a a lightness um to everything and an expansiveness. It's interesting you should use that word because I was just gonna suggest it to you whether you felt this kind of an expansiveness to it. That's good. That's good. It's like, yeah, I have, I started meditating. I used the Headspace app for meditation. It's got a bunch of different ones for like stress or relationships, or if you're a sports player, they have stuff tailored to you or like sleep uh, podcast or sleep cast. So that, that's one that I would recommend to people, I don't know if you have any others that you would, maybe YouTube. Uh, There's one that I've been using for a while that I think is great. Um, I've been using it for a few years. It's called Insight Timer. Okay. Mm -hmm. They have a bunch of, I think there's a paid site and then there's a, like a $10 a month site. And they have a bunch of courses on there that, taught, that are taught by the best meditation teachers in the country. And they have um, guided meditations on there and they have a timer on there so that if you just want to do your own meditation, mm -hmm. that little bells go off when you want to start and when you want to stop. So, you know, you don't have to be looking at your watch. It's, it's right. a nice app. 
recognize that. There's a lot of great stuff out there right now. Yeah, it's. I think it's really becoming more front and center in the public about mental health and developing a healthy mind. And so, what I guess to take that to the root of it, what what is psychology? Psychology, I think, is the either the study of or the manifestation of consciousness. Wow. It's a huge, short answer. It's a big, a big answer, yeah. Um, for me, the study of psychology is, is the understanding of, of why people behave and feel and think the way they do. You know, how we become, how we become, how, why and how we act how things affect other people and what are the things that we can do to make things the best. That's great. And do you think people are, it's kind of the nature versus nurture debate. Do you think people are the way they are because they're born that way or are they taught to be a certain way? What do you think? I think there is inclinations that are just inherit and then I think people learn these habits or mind loops or feedback through life and so you it's like a like a sticky wheel or something that you're just rolling along and it starts collecting stuff as you keep rolling so a combination of genetic predisposition and conditioning yeah, I don't think there's an easy answer. No, I agree with you. And oddly enough, I think that's the answer in a lot of things. You know, why does schizophrenia happen? Why does um, um, depression happen? You know, I think a lot of it, you know, gets split up between what we are what prone towards because of the brains that we get and what happens in our daily lives. For example, schizophrenia, what, what the latest research says, or at least the last time I checked it, is that um, you have to have this predisposition and you also have to have a fairly stressful upbringing. So you can get the predisposition and get this wonderful family that you live in and you never manifest the illness. And you know you can get this really terrible family but not have the genetic stuff and, and, and something else will happen. So everything has to go together for it, for it to happen, so yeah. It's a, it's a combination of, of what we come into the world with and how the world gets us. And, and, and the, med the meditation becomes our becoming capable of changing the way we respond to what happens to us. Because if we don't work on ourselves, our responses to what happens are, are basically just coming from, from our natural responses you know, which is, which is going to be a combination of conditioning and, and, and DNA, uh, you know, but um, the more you work on meditating, the more you create this pause between stimulus and response where you can decide what to do, you know, am I making myself more anxious right now or am I calming myself down? And therefore, I know what the wise action is and I know what the unwise action is. But, you know, if you don't have that pause, then you just act impulsively. And a lot of times you do things that are not good for yourself. 
And out of all your practice and your customers, uh, your patients, do you see a general problem more often than anything else? Is there a common common thread that people have with their psychology that you try to help out? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, I think the most common, and, and I think this is going to surprise you because it surprised me when I realized it. The problem mm. that I encounter people like themselves. Sorry, you cut out there. Can you can you do that? Say that one more time. I said the problem that I, and and believe me, there are many, many, many manifestations of this problem. But the biggest problem that people have is that they don't treat themselves well. They don't like themselves. And, and that turns into so many different things. It turns into how they treat other people. It, turn, it turns into depression. It turns into anxiety. You know, we're raised to not love ourselves because the, I, I, have, I have a lot of patience. You know, the idea of self-compassion, especially men, self-compassion, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, like we're less than masculine if we love ourselves, right? Right. It's very, it's very important. To, to have that loving relationship with the self because that's what opens the heart to other people. You can't love others if you don't love you. Yeah, and where does that come from? How do we grow to, uh, I guess, disdain ourselves so much? Um, I mean, it, we're not born like that, so we gotta, I guess, learn it from somewhere. Is it our parents? Is it bullies? Is it... Uh, I guess society. I mean, if you go on Twitter, there's trolls everywhere to put you down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a combination of unpleasant socialization. You know, we get it from parents, we get it from bullies, we get it from inappropriate uh, uh, online stuff. You know, it's coming from everywhere. Mm -hmm. and, and people grow up, and they just, you know, they they're not really even that conscious of it, but you really dig in. And you find out they just don't like themselves. Yeah. So how do you get people over this hurdle to actually embrace themselves and love themselves and see the good that's in them? Two ways. Number one, analyzing the things that they're hard on themselves. Yeah. Is there a couple examples about what uh, people are hard on themselves for? For example, I have, I have a woman that I see who is brilliant and wonderful and sweet and this incredible person. But she thinks that if she's not really hard on herself every minute, that she's going to slack off and become this lazy person. So she never gives herself a break. She never, she doesn't like to congratulate herself. She doesn't like to, you know, give herself a hug. She just push, 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 push. And I'm trying to say, can slow down, appreciate yourself. So that's easy. Because she learned, you know, that you are what you did lately, not you just, you're, you're, you know, you have value just by being. Yeah, so she's built up this hard shell just of herself. So how do you get her to break, break free of that? Again, um, um, interpreting different um, situations where, where, where she's doing it and also through meditation. Mm -hmm. Because there are meditations that you where, that you can do where you actually try to open up your own heart and you try to send yourself um, that compassion. 
I would say that over the last year, the biggest new type of meditation that has been popularized is called self-compassion. Have you ever heard of a uh, meditation teacher called Tara Brock? No, I haven't. She's, she's, um, she, she's amazing. You can check her out online. T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H. She's got a ton of YouTubes. She's got a lot of stuff online and she's a wonderful teacher. She's got a number of books and her newest book is called Self-Compassion. And um, it's about learning, you know, to really be closer to ourselves because that begins the opening of everything. If okay. I'm pissed at me, I don't want to listen to you, you know, but if mm -hmm. I'm okay with me, then I'm, I'm, I'm much more patient and I'm much more open. Okay, yeah, I definitely want to check that out and read that. But to kind of go on this, is this the root cause of depression? Or what is depression? Is, is it linked to self-love? Or is it a chemical imbalance? Um, how, do, how does this get into depression? Okay. First of all, there are, there are, depression is not one thing. Um, there may be some feelings that all people that are depressed may share, but, but it can come from a lot of different places. For example, maybe you have amazingly wonderful brain chemistry, but six people that are really close to you just died, which is a horrible thing, so you get really depressed, right? And let's say hey, my life is just going as great as it could possibly go, but I'm really down and me because I've got just this depressed inside personality. It, it's called the difference between endogenous, meaning originating inside, and exogenous, meaning things happen to you. So um, obviously, when things happen to you, it's easier to uh, to deal with it because you just come up with ways of, of coping with the things that happen in your life. And generally speaking, we are wired to be able to handle whatever happens to us. You know, even when we lose people that are very, that are very close to us, we have in our DNA, you know, we're going to get, we're going to be sad for a while and then we're going to be fine. But if the, if the neurotransmitters in the brain are not working properly, then you have this unrelenting feeling of, of, of down, slow, uh, you know, pessimistic uh, a feeling that 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 usually requires both talk therapy and uh, medication. Yeah, and and is there a way to get out of that? Is it you have to let it run its course? Um, what's the natural progression for somebody in depression? You mean an endogenous one, one that starts with their own brain chemistry? Uh, yeah, let's start with that. Okay. Um, well, ideally, what would happen would be that um, the uh, medication would take the depressed stuff, and instead of putting it front and center in the brain, it takes it and kind of puts it in the back. People think that when they take antidepressants that they're expected that they're going to just be jumping around, but it's not true. What happens is it takes the depression from being all I can think of to something that's in there, but I can think of other stuff too. So we become much more functional. 
So ideally that's happening at the same time that in the talk therapy, the things that are facilitating the negative stuff in the head are also being there. So the changes are happening verbally and in the brain at the same time. Interesting. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you need a combination of the medication and then you're actually talking to, I guess, uh, let in a little light. Or uh, And if you think about the idea that the medication may minimize the presence of the depression, that leaves some psychic space whereby somebody could say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, so that the, the therapist proposes another more generous way of looking at it the person has the means to be able to say yeah i can see that you know and is, if you're completely depressed then you're nah, nah, nah. right and is this uh i guess a lifelong journey is, is there ever uh, does anyone ever get over the the um, endogenous uh the the imbalance and you constantly need the talk therapy and the medication. Um, you mean, is there a cure? Yeah, that's a good word. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, cure is a word that very early on in our training, they, they trained us not to use. <laughs> promise of anything, right? Um, in reality, I think um, depression like anything else that happens in the psyche in the psyche can potentially be used to create a deeper and 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 more understanding life experience and i think that with the right approaches the tendency can stay there but it can be managed so efficiently that the person is okay okay and then for somebody else who may know somebody who's depressed, if you're a friend or a family member and you have somebody who's depressed in your family, what what can you do? How do you treat that person? Um, is there a specific way? I mean, if you don't really know what's going on, if you're not a psychologist and you don't know with the brain imbalance and you kind of just know that they're depressed how do you how do you talk to them how do you the, the 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 most helpful thing that we can do with people that are depressed is to try to get them to understand that we really care how they feel mm -hmm. so that if people that are that, so that if people who are depressed lose that sense of isolation and that sense of being alone they, 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 they can open up a little bit more. And this takes us back to the whole coronavirus thing because a lot of people are going to be alone and a lot of people are going to be depressed. And my advice, as I said at the top of the interview, is that you have to, as you're isolating, you also have to open your heart. You have to communicate with your friends and with your family. And you have to be aware of the fact that even though you're physically isolated, you really need that connection with other beings to feel good about who you Wow, I love that. Yeah. So you just got to keep keep reminding them and tell them how much you love them and how much they mean to you. And yeah. And the thing that's frustrating on my end is that 
I have a fair number of patients who are very resistant to the idea of change. So if you think about that, that creates two problems. Number one, they're gonna have difficulty with the change being imposed by the social isolation. But number two, they're also gonna have a problem with the change in, in how we're doing therapy. And some of them may not make it over to the new way. And therefore they're gonna be out there dealing with this whole social isolation thing and they won't have the support of the therapy. And that, that just works. I hope I can get everybody on board. Yeah, me too. I, I think what you're doing is great and uh, it's, a, it's a strong need in the world. And I think it's growing right now, especially with, with this huge change and this great unknown that's sweeping through. Um, I think uh, to talk about that a little more, you know, you're a business owner and I try to reach some entrepreneurs on here and so how do you embrace that change and adapt? Uh, what is it that gets you over thinking of the old ways and start looking into new possibilities and seeing new opportunities? You mean, what is it that makes you less stuck in your tried and true ways of living and, and, and makes you more open to the idea of trying things that you've never tried before. Right. Yeah. Just if you're in a rut. So I would think Go ahead. Yeah. It's like you're stuck in a rut. You keep doing the same things. Um, and okay, so if you're stuck in a rut, mm -hmm. why, why are you stuck in a rut? Does the rut feel good? Or is there something about the rut that keeps you from feeling even worse? I think people get in ruts and are willing to put up with this low level um, monotony because they don't want to face the big fear of trying something different. I think that, I think going out there and, and, and trying to change oneself and trying to change the way one acts in the world is much scarier. It's a fear that's much that hurts much more than the drudgery of of of, of the rut of everyday life. Mm -hmm. and therefore, I think that the more we trust ourselves, and the more grounded we get, the more willing we become to really try to be everything that we can be. Because a lot of the things that, that we think of, we discard because we're afraid. Right. You know, maybe, maybe I'll learn how to teach meditation. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a psychologist. Let, the, the, let, let other people do that. But that's not what I did, you know. So I started taking this course, so I teach meditation. And that was an example in my own life where I said, all right, I, I can do that. And there has to be a, a, a moment of validation that, 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 that proceeds that movement forward i could do it yeah well you did great in that five minute session that you gave me and my listeners i the voice you had the voice for it it's funny when when i get into doing the meditation there is something that shifts in my head and i become kind of in a different role i i, I really enjoy it <laughs> like because it's 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 like the other person or persons i actually also do meditation every every uh, once a week. I, I I'm in a, a rehab program 
where there are these addicts that we all do meditation together. Mm -hmm. It's cool because I feel like there's this process going on and it's affecting me too. It changes me. I'm in it. And so therefore we're all doing this thing together. It's just really nice. So when I was doing that with you for that time, we, we changed into something else. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I really felt it. <laughs> um, so that, that was great. And so you talked about, you know, this people having this fear that they can't get over a lot. I think a lot of it's social fear, social anxiety, because everything I've read is the brain is primitive. So, you know, you have a, a fear of the unknown. So you don't go in the cave and get eaten by the, the tiger. And so now there's no tigers that are going to eat us. And so we, we have, we still have to have that fear, but it turns into more social fears. If, if somebody has a dream, if somebody has a goal, but they're scared to, to go after it, uh, what are, what advice can you give somebody to, to face their fear and, uh, to, to show them that they should go after it anyway? That's an interesting question. Um, it brings into play a, a much larger concept, which is called the negativity bias. Um, all people, and, and, and exactly for the reason that you just mentioned, because of, of long ago evolutionary concerns, developed this negativity bias so that we were definitely more tuned into the saber-toothed tiger that was 50 feet away than we were to the little game that we were playing right there so so we are much more oriented toward noticing what's wrong than what's right mm -hmm. so that's one thing that's coming from a more primitive part of the brain right and yet the prefrontal cortex can say all right there is a negativity bias and it can therefore kind of bring it back into balance and say all right well you know i'm naturally kind of skewing it to the negative so let's look at the positive and so you can you can use the more uh, sophisticated aspect of your brain to to bring to light uh, potential benefits to the thing that you're trying. Yeah. In reality, that negative bias isn't isn't any more innately truthful than 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 the, than the positive expressions. That you're trying to right. So it's almost just getting comfortable with that feeling. It sounds like that. Um, that you have to be at a higher level to just recognize that, yeah, that's my primitive brain just acting up or in lighting or um, to just ignore it or. And I don't have to listen to it. It's there, but it's, it's just a thought. I don't have to listen to it. That's exactly right. <laughs> like you become aware of the fact that there are all these thoughts that are bubbling up in your mind. Some of them are real. Some of them are not. You know, and, and, and you learn to ignore the ones that are not going to help you and, you and you take the ones that are. But um, <clears throat> the negative negativity bias also manifests in, 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 in the practice of meditation, because it is very uncommon for somebody to start being trained in meditation and then think to themselves, you know, I'm, I'm really good at this. <laughs> I never say they're good at they, they come out of their meditation and they say, well, I just had like about 9,000 different 
thoughts. I must be terrible at this. And what they don't realize is that everybody has 9,000 thoughts. Yeah. And so that the two things that we stress when we're teaching meditation is no effort and no judgment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about relaxing into it. It's not about, oh, I'm going to change myself, you know? When you're doing that, you're pushing against yourself. That's not self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me of uh, a book by Carol Dweck called Mindset. It's She talks about you either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And so fixed means you're good or you're bad at something. There's no change in it. Um, a growth mindset is... Hey, I'm not good yet, but you know, I just started out. So if I keep doing it, then I'm going to get better. And so people have these inclinations that, you know, I wasn't born that way. So I'm going to, that's just not me. And then other people can be like, Hey, if I work hard, then I can, I can achieve this or do this. And so that just that, what you, that example reminded me of that book. And so I think that book's had a big impact on the way I think and, and know how I'm thinking. Amazing to know that there are so many different ways that we can get to that same place where we're grounded and, and, and we're, we're, we're uh, confident in ourselves and, and we're just open to life. I mean, there are so many ways of getting there, which is, I think is great. Right. Yeah. And to, and to know that you're not, stuck where you are if you if you do something that you can get better at it i think comforts me a lot and in meditation they're always saying you can always start over (laughs) yeah that's that's about all it is right so so if you're if you have this regular daily practice and for some reason you get into this really stressful period of your life and you're completely off you can wake up the next morning and say okay I'm going back and you just go back. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to get punished because you were out or, or, or that you'll lose anything. You just, you just go right back in. Right. Yeah. I guess to change topics a little bit, you also say that on your Instagram, you're a spiritual expertise. What, what do you mean by spiritual? For me, spirituality is the aspect of life that exists and is felt outside of just the empirical world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the interconnectedness of all beings. It's the idea that when you sit down and you eat your dinner, you can take a moment and you can be grateful for all the people that drove the food to the supermarket you bought it. You can grateful for all the people that put it out on the shelves for you you can be grateful for all the farmers that grew these plants for you and you become aware of the fact that here we are all these individual souls and selves that are just working together to create this world that even though there are ways in it's in which it's not working there are a lot of ways in which it is working and to try to just bring that uh gratitude for the fact that here we are all in this world together when i'm walking my dog at night and i'm walking down the street and i'm looking at the trees mm-hmm. and I'm really and this may sound silly and i apologize no I, uh, 
I'm trying to connect with those trees because they're gorgeous. They're these big, beautiful trees. And I'm walking my dog and we're just kind of like in this nice little groove together. And I'm looking at these trees and it's like, here I am, I'm with the trees. We're in this one scene, we're all together. And it's just really sweet. And for me, that's a spiritual feeling. Yeah, and so can, is this uh, related to religion? No. Yes and no. For me, the, and, and you may have heard this before, but for me, religion is the codifying of genuine spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. In other words, at the core of every religion is the same type of spiritual experience, but each group codified it and came up with their own dogma and their own well you know you do this or else that happens and, then, and so there i think there are a lot of inaccuracies in the religions but in the pure spiritual experiences not That's yeah yeah so you're saying religion is one one pathway to get there um but how do you how do you get there i guess without the religion is it uh, more the cool thing about Buddhism mm -hmm. is that Buddhism is really not a religion. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that until fairly recently. I was listening to this talk by Eckhart Tolle, you know, who he is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so this is this wonderful talk on, 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 on being present. And at the end of the talk, he's talking about Buddha and his his followers are asking Buddha if there is a God. And Eckhart Tolle says that Buddha's answer was noble silence. In other words, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just wake up, open your heart, be kind to people, be kind to yourself. If there's a God out there, fine, great. We're here to do our work. And I think that that's beautiful because he gave people this path that would help them become more peaceful and if there's a god out there that's wonderful if there isn't then then there isn't but this gives people a an opportunity to pursue the spiritual path without being inconsistent with any religious background that they already had mm -hmm. yeah so it's a it's a relationship between you and the external world pretty much right it's uh how you see things uh even plea trees plants the computer um how you talked about you know how someone stocked the shelves at the store or how somebody built the computer how we're talking online over airwaves um you know just to to see the magic and wonder and um miracle miracles in in life i think uh it's very yeah. very beautiful yeah um it's a nice it's a nice feeling isn't it yeah yeah to to realize we're just living in this world and everyone else is how wonderfully <laughs> lit up and connected we all are it's just it's it's amazing mm -hmm. and here and and, and 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 again to to bring it back to the virus the idea that here we are as a species trying to work together to figure this thing out. 
You know, it's like the, there, there's no countries anymore. There's no parties anymore. You know, Trump and the Democrats and the Republicans all sign the same thing. Everyone wants this thing to get better. And it's, it's, it's lovely to see something united, unifying people. It's nice. Yeah, that's great. And the other topic on your Instagram was relationships. And as we're being isolated, we're going to have to work on our relationships with the ones we love, our parents or kids or whoever we're living with, um, just because we're going to be spending a lot more time together than, than we're used to. So how, how does psychology come into play when you're dealing with other people? Do you have to recognize their psychology? Do you, how, does, how does it work when we're when we're living together? Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of a uh, Zen, a Vietnamese Zen master named Thich Nhat Hanh. Have you ever heard of him? No, I haven't. He's pretty high up. I thought maybe you had, but that, that's cool that you have. Anyway, what's interesting about Thich Nhat Hanh is he tells this story. Here he is, he's from Vietnam, right? So he ran these groups in the United States for U.S. vets from the Vietnam War who had PTSD from being in combat. So here's this guy who's Vietnamese, who's trying to help these guys who have this PTSD over being in a fight with Vietnamese. So who would you think would be the worst possible person to do this? And yet he was extraordinarily successful and the reason why is because he really listens he has this thing that's called deep listening where he it's hard to really explain it but when the when the when the other person is talking he's absolutely sure that he understands exactly what that other person is saying. Like if, like, like if you don't like Donald Trump, and I do, and I express to you why I like him, and it's not satisfying to you. You say to me, but you know what? Help me some more. Let me, let me, let me hear more so that I can really understand why he gives you that feeling. So hopefully at the end of that conversation, you and I, through really listening to each other, understand the reality that our psyches each have and that you're seeing things from your reality, I'm seeing things from my reality and we respect each other because we're, we're, we're coming from different places, but we respect each other's truth. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that means you have to really do your part to understand what the other person is trying to say and the way I do that I kind of I repeat it back to them and so it's like hey I'm hearing this is is that correct or please tell me if I'm wrong uh so I think right do you know where that do you know where that um originated no I don't do you know who Carl Rogers is it sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. Carl Rogers was the was the, the the guy that started humanistic psychotherapy. 
And he believed that if you just sit there and validate the person long enough, they're going to be fine. And, you know, there's some truth to that, but it's not the whole story. But anyway, he had that, um, he had that, um, um, that idea that, um, you know, just like parrot somebody or to that the person speaks and then what's called verbal following mm -hmm. you, you repeat it back to them and give them this sense that their thought is now in your head oh, okay so they're saying stuff and it's going in and it's going in and your verbal following is showing them that they're they're continuing to register in your Wow, I'm sure you have uh, a bunch of more tips and tricks up your sleeve. Um, what what would be another one to, you know, build up more rapport with somebody or, um, uh, you know, just a better one-on-one -on -one communication technique? Forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness. A lot of times people have good relationships and then something will happen. And for some reason, they'll just, that's it, that's it, that's the end. No, they, they, they screwed me over and uh, that's, that's the end. But, you know, sometimes forgiveness really lifts a weight off one's own head. It makes one's own head lighter. So I think that forgiveness, particularly self-forgiveness, but, but forgiveness of others too, is very important for our moving through life and not getting too, you know, modeled down with, with, with the... Uh, yeah negatives yeah and I, and I guess what what if stuff does start to get negative you know we are spending more time together there's bound to be some conflicts and and fights that break out or arguments that happen over you know more than likely some mundane and insignificant thing what how does people handle that conflict between each other well, you know, I mean, this is a brand new thing, so I'm just telling you how I hope that they go. But uh, what I would hope is that they would get back to that thing that I was talking about from Thich Nhat Hanh before, which is the deep listening, and, and, and say, you know, what you just said made me feel funny. Let's, let's talk about that some more. Let's, let's get to a point where we're both okay with that thought, because right now I'm not. So tell me more about what you were talking about because I'm not understanding it at, at the point where I want to understand it. That kind of thing. Maybe taking it a little bit further than you normally would. Wow, that's great. Great, Dr. Kraut. Um, I really appreciate your time. Last question is, um, if people want to work with you, uh, they want to know more about what you're doing, where, where can they find you at uh, online? They can find me at drjameskraut.com is my website, drjameskraut.com. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Kraut. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of articles on there, and, and you can get a hold of me there. And I'd love to see you. Well, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thank you.